Well, good evening. It's good to see you tonight as we come together on this Christmas Eve. There's nothing better to do on Christmas Eve than worship the Lord and think about His coming, that Advent that we've been celebrating for the last four weeks, talking about His coming, talking about His birth. And tonight we celebrate that together, and uh, we will sing songs that reflect that and rejoice in that. And we hope that you'll join right in. I've met many visitors tonight that have joined us for this evening. And we are glad that God has brought you here this evening to share in this time with us. Uh, so far, the furthest I've met anybody is from Raleigh, North Carolina. And it was good, it's good to have folks from out of state uh, here with us tonight. Just join right in and be a part of Grace Baptist Church tonight. We are glad you're here. Every time we come into this place, we come with one purpose. And that is to focus our attention upon the goodness of God and the glory of God and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And this Christmas Eve is no different than every other time. So we're going to ask you, if you would, to stand with me and join our voices and join our hearts in singing these great carols and hymns, and we will celebrate tonight the coming of our Lord. Let's, uh, let's worship. Joy has gone upon the world, promised from creation, God's salvation now unfurled, hope for every nation, God with fanfares from above, not with seeds of Reconciling God 
week for the last four weeks we have begun the service uh, each morning uh, on, on the, during Advent with the lighting of a candle and talking about the prophecy of Christ's coming, the joy of his coming, the hope that he brings, and, and just the fact that Christ is the one to bring peace and life and to the world. Tonight we come to the, to the Christ candle, which is the center candle of all the others. I want you to hear the word of the Lord as we think about this tonight. Out of John's Gospel, 
There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, thus we use a candle, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But to as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, the doctrine of adoption, even to those who believe in his name, who were not born of, of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but were born of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about Him and cried out, saying, This, is, this was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, because He existed before me. For of His fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Christ Jesus. He is the light of the world. He came to shed light of who God is and demonstrate and, and show us what God is really like. He came to show us through his light that in him there is life, and we who believe may have life in him that is not temporal, that is not based on our works, but it's based on grace, and it is eternal. So tonight we light the Christ candle in the very center of these other candles to celebrate that the light has come, has now been shed among us, and now we see. We'll hear scriptures about that even more tonight as we continue our worship. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you tonight that we can gather on this Christmas Eve Celebrating, Lord, your incarnation. Celebrating you becoming man and dwelling among us. Celebrating, Lord, that even as, as Moses brought the law, you bring and show us and teach us grace and truth. Lord, you said you were the way, the truth, and the life. That no man comes to the Father except by you. Father, teach us your truth tonight. Show us your light tonight, and let us walk in you. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.
Please stand with me for the hearing of God's word this evening. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. He is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on the high, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. When he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, And let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, Who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire? But of the Son, he says, Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth, 
and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They all will become old like a garment. Like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed. But you are the same. Your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? This is the word of the Lord from Hebrews 1.
Hallelujah, all I have is Christ. He is my life. He is my only hope. We come on this Christmas Eve to celebrate that. The light has come. In him was the light, and the light was the life of men, John will tell us. We come to understand that he came with a very unique and a very special ministry. He didn't just come to be born in a baby, so, as a baby in a manger so that we could have sweet little Christmas stories to tell. We've talked about that for the last month. We've talked about the reality that the cross was always behind the cradle. We've talked about the reality that he came into this world uh, with a purpose. He came into this world not to become the Son of God, but he came into the world as the Son of God. He came into the world God incarnate, and for that we rejoice. You know, it's easy to go to Luke's gospel or Matthew's gospel and and read the Christmas story. Many of you probably will with your family over the next day or so. And think about that, that beautiful story about the, the wise men and the shepherds and, and, the, and the stable and no room in the inn and, and all that. Great, great story. True story. Beautiful story. But my favorite Christmas story really is the Christmas story in John's Gospel. And in John's Gospel, he tells us this in those first verses. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend or did not overpower it. As dark as the darkness is in the world we live in, it cannot overcome, it cannot destroy, it cannot quench the light of Jesus Christ. That's the great truth that we think about at Christmas. That's the great truth that we rejoice in as we come to times of worship just like this on Christmas Eve and think about the coming of Christ. It's easy to get our thoughts distracted by a thousand other things, a myriad of other things, uh, things about like giving gifts and even more importantly receiving gifts and, and things like that. It's very important to get caught up in all the circumstance and all the pomp and all the, 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 the celebration that we miss the very simple truth that that one born in the manger is the true and living God in the form of a little baby. What a what a tremendous thought that that is. We come to understand that in that little baby, in that manger, in this story that John tells us that he didn't have his beginning there, but his beginning was back in the beginning, before the beginning, in eternity past when he was with God and was God, that he is the, the second person of the, the triune Godhead in all his glory. But in this story of Christmas, we, we have, to have, to, have to ask the question, why Christmas matters? Why does it matter? I, mean, I think it's easy to see why we celebrate Easter or resurrection because that is the ultimate event of, of Christianity. That's the event which all Christianity rises or falls on. Uh, as one man said one time, if you disprove the resurrection, you wipe out Christianity. It has no basis whatsoever. It's easy to understand that, but why does Christmas matter? I think there's several reasons, and I just want to give them to you, and then we'll be done. First of all, I think Christmas matters because in the Christmas story, we read literally the opening lines of God's love letter to the world. 
In the Christmas story, we really do have the beginning of for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall have life everlasting, shall never die, but shall have eternal life. I mean, in this Christmas story, we have the very beginning lines of that great truth. Now, we know that later he will tell us, you believe in me. Later he will go to the cross and die. Later he will be resurrected from the dead and ascend into heaven. But in the manger, in the Christmas story, we have the opening lines of that letter, that love letter that God has written to us. We also celebrate Christmas secondly because in Christmas we realize and celebrate that God became a person, a human, took on flesh and blood. God became a person in order to enter into a relationship with us. I had Brother Scott read from the book of Hebrews, those opening words in Hebrews, where it talks about in times past, God spoke through the prophets and other, other ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, Jesus Christ. And if you go on and read in the book of Hebrews, you find that, that the scripture says he came and became one of us so that he might identify with us, so that he might understand everything that we go through, every struggle that we have, every temptation that we have, and so that he might identify with us and be our great high priest, that he might intercede on our behalf that he might be our Savior. Because how would, he, how, how would God ever realize the, the depth of our temptation, the depth of our struggle, the depths of our pain and suffering and tears had he not taken on flesh and blood and literally, as John's gospel says, dwelt among us, tabernacled among us, pitched his tent among us? How would, we, how would he know that? But he did that in Christ. He became a person in order to enter into a relationship, a personal relationship with with men and women across the ages. And by grace and through faith, the Apostle Paul tells us, we can have that relationship. We can know that relationship. And the Christmas story tells us this is how we entered, this is how we entered our world, our time, that we might see him in all his glory. I think we also celebrate Christmas because in Christmas, we see that God delights in accomplishing the impossible. God delights in accomplishing the impossible and far exceeding the hopes of man at any time. Using the small, the weak, and the foolish things of the world to humble the great and the mighty and the wise. Indeed, when we think about and a virgin conceived. The Holy Spirit came upon Mary, and the virgin conceived and became pregnant with a son. Having never known a man, known there being a little more than shaking hands with and saying, Hi, nice to meet you. Never having relations with a man as a husband-wife relationship, the Holy Spirit came upon her, and she conceived, not by man, but by the Holy Spirit. I mean, let's face it, that's, that's a pretty phenomenal story. And were it not true, it would be absolutely ridiculous. But the Scripture indicates to us that it is true. And so in this Christmas celebration, in this celebration of, of a tiny baby being born of a virgin, someone who had never known a man, and, 
And, and, and Matthew tells us that uh, Joseph stayed with her after his encounter with the angel and being told what it was all about, and that he kept her a virgin until after Jesus was born. I mean, that's a tremendous story of taking the, the most impossible of possibilities as we look at it humanly and recognizing that God did it. God did it. And the hopes of mankind were for, for, for a Savior. The hopes of mankind were for, for a Messiah, for a Redeemer. And, and yet they were looking for something, who, someone who would come and just kind of push the Romans out of Israel, out of Jerusalem. That, that would come and kind of set up David's throne again there in Jerusalem and say, okay, we now have a king here in Jerusalem, all is well in the world. That was their hope. But God said, no, your hopes aren't nearly big enough. I have come to establish my kingdom and my family across the face of the earth. I have come to redeem for myself a people. I have come to adopt myself a people, so much so that Peter will say, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. You, you are a people for God's own possession. That all began in that manger, folks. That all began that night when a virgin gave birth to a son and God began to confound the wise and, and confound the great and confound the mighty through a little baby. He didn't lead an army. Didn't write a book. He didn't push anybody out of Jerusalem. They thought they pushed him out by crucifying him. They didn't. He never rose up to bear arms against anyone, and yet he's the mightiest, mighty God. He's the greatest warrior that ever lived. But it all began in that manger. It all began that night when God chose to accomplish the impossible and exceed the hopes of men. Because there was no room in the inn, he went to the stable, he went to the manger. And there he took on flesh and dwelt among us. Finally, I think Christmas matters because it not only tells us all of that, but also in Christmas God shows us what it means to love. To love one another. Paul says we're to love one another as Christ loved us. We're to forgive one another as Christ has forgiven us. We're to, we're to demonstrate a, a love for one another that goes beyond affection, that goes beyond emotion, that goes beyond feelings to real love, genuine love, genuine caring for one another. Because in the Christmas story, God teaches us what it means to really be cared for, to really be loved, and to be set forth to love one another in that same way. I love what Peter said on that Pentecost night. When everybody had gathered around and 3,000 people were saved, the, the people were struggling with what was going on in the upper room. They thought the apostles and the disciples were drunk. They were making so much racket. But they weren't. They were being filled with and powered by the presence of God's Holy Spirit because he who ascended had sent his spirit to dwell among us. Peter stood up and he said this. He said, men of Israel, listen to these words. 
Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your presence, just as you yourselves know. Those who refused to believe had seen Jesus heal the sick, raise the dead, heal the blind, tell the lame man to get up and take his pallet and walk. I mean, they'd seen all that. And Peter said, listen, God did these great miracles through his son to attest to you that he is who he said he was. And yet you still don't believe, but you know this. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. That was God's purpose, it was God's plan, but man was responsible for that death that night. Man was responsible for putting him on the cross. You know, we can argue all day, was it the Romans who put him on the cross? Was it the Jewish leaders who put him on the cross? Was, was it the people who put him on the cross? And, and my answer is this, it was us. We are the ones who put him on the cross. We may not have been there physically, but we were there. Our sin was there putting him on that cross. We sing a, a hymn by the Gettys that says, it was my sin that kept him on the cross. And that's true. This man, nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put to death, but God. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death since it is impossible for him to be held by its power. But God, in the midst of godless men, nailing to a cross, seeing him die, but God raised him up to testify that everything he did, everything he said was true and from me. He goes on and he quotes what David said, which was right out of the passage out of Hebrews that Scott read a moment ago. I won't reread it. But he says this, Brethren, Peter speaking again, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. And you might say that about every other, quote, religious leader, end quote, that's ever lived. They died, and they're still in the tomb. They're still in the grave. They may have tried to make a lot of impact. They may have made a lot of great platitudes, but they're still in the grave. Only one did God bring forth from the grave to testify that this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son who has brought my message and my truth and my grace. Hear him. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on his throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of Christ, that he was neither abandoned to Hades, that is the realm of the dead, nor did his flesh suffer decay. He didn't decay in the grave. This Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, 
He has poured forth on this which you both see and hear. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has declared him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. You see, the story's not complete if it's left in the manger. The story's not finished if we just think about what happened on that Christmas day, that first Christmas day, that day when Christ was born. The story's not finished. You've you got to go back to get the real beginning to eternity past, which John does in John 1, and you've got to go all the way to the resurrection and to the ascension and to eternity future in order to understand the greatness of the glory. This one, Peter says, who God raised from the dead, this one Jesus, he has declared both Lord and Christ, Lord and Messiah, not for a time, not for a period, but for all eternity and all time. And it's him that we meet together and worship and celebrate on this Christmas Eve. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad that we have this one service a year where there's no nursery, but our children are with us. Because our children need to see that the real meaning of Christmas is not what's going to take place in your living room either tonight or in the morning. The real meaning of Christmas is not all about me getting stuff. The meaning of Christmas is worshiping the one who has come. Worshiping the greatest gift that's ever been given. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We gather around together to worship. We gather around to worship on, on what has been called by the, the hymn and the, 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 the carol, Silent Night. But we also come to declare joy to the world, the Lord is come. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Don't just let angels declare it, but may we as his people declare to Somerset and Pulaski County and Kentucky and beyond to the uttermost parts of the world, Christ has come. And he's come to redeem his people and give them eternal life. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you and your family and may it be filled with joy and it may be filled with everything you hope for, but may it be filled with Christ. As we gather around that tree, let's pray together. Father, Lord, let Christmas remind us that it is in Christ alone that we find hope. That it is in Christ alone that we have life. That it is in Christ alone that we can live. Thank you, Father, for this evening. Thank you, Lord, for reminding us again, I hope, why Christmas matters. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Would you stand together as we sing together, Silent Night, in Christ alone, and joy to the world. Let's sing together.
presence of his glory, blameless with great joy. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority, both before all time and now and forever. Amen. Merry Christmas. You're dismissed.